You ready to turn on your faith to receive? Soften your heart? Believe that the Lord has a word for you, right for tonight, right for the situation that you're facing? Well, good evening. It is good to be with people that love the Lord. So, one way we love God is how? There's a sermon title. So go with me, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians 4. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. And, and the sermon title is, Loving God by Loving One Another. 1 Thessalonians 4, and we're going to begin in verse 9. About brotherly love, you don't need me to write you because you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. Do you know God is very keenly interested in you getting this right? In fact, Scripture says the love of God has been poured out. It's been shed abroad. The word means to be uh, gushed abundantly. Is what it means. That the love of God has been gushed abundantly into our hearts. That's past tense. It's already, if you've been born again, it's past tense for you. And so, there, this, the Lord Himself lives within you, and God is love. So, He is your teacher on the inside by the Holy Spirit. And if you'll humble yourself and stay committed to following what He's teaching you on the inside, you'll walk in love. Right Now, by experience, I've walked in love and I've not walked in love. Okay, I know how both sides work. And I know that if you're sensitive and listening on the inside, there'll be that little bit of scratching on the inside. Don't do that. Don't say that. Better just be quiet. Better walk away. Right? And uh, so pay attention to that. And that's the Lord teaching you to love one another. Verse 10, In fact, you are doing this toward all the brothers in the entire region of Lancaster. I mean Macedonia. But you are. See, you guys are walking in love to those around you. I know you are. I see it. But we encourage you, brothers, to do so even more. Even more. Do you want to even more walk and operate and love one another? You know, God is love. Love is not just an action. Love is an entity. It's a person. It's a being. Love is... There's power in love. There is deliverance in love. There's freedom in love. There is anointing in love. There is God in love because God is love, right? And so this is a really big deal. And it's easy for us to sit here and go, yeah, yeah, we know we're supposed to love one another. Yeah, but then do it. Right? Then do it. And I'm not saying, I mean, yeah, I know, I, I, I know that we love each other, but I'm saying every day we have choices. Every day we have choices to either walk in love or not walk in love. And maybe you miss it. Well, get right. Start again. Go for it again. It's never too late if you're still alive to walk in love. Let's go over to to John chapter 13. This is what Jesus had to say about it. In John 13 verse 34, He said, I give you a new commandment. So now he's moved beyond the the Ten Commandments and all the hundred plus commandments in the Old Testament. And he's saying, I'm giving you a new one. This is the commandment. Love one another. 
Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So if Jesus commanded it, should we do it? We all agree. I'm pretty certain that, yeah, we should, we should walk in love with each other. But what does that look like? See, there's where it comes, starts getting into shoe leather. What does it look like to walk in love with each other? What does it look like to actually carry this commandment out? Because in theory, we all know it. We all mentally assent to it. But are we actually agreeing to it in here? And walking it out is what I'm saying. Let's go to uh, chapter 15 in John here. Again, these are commanded by Jesus to walk in love. You know, now more than ever, because we are surrounded by enemies, we have to be strong in this. You know, there's two things we have to really be strong in. Three things, okay? There's even more, but we'll just stop there else we'll go all night. What's the name on our sign out here? Church of the Word. So it's really important that we actually live up to our name then and be rooted and grounded in the Word. And so we're going to look at more and more Word on this subject of love. What does the Bible say about it? Um, How about faith? That's a pretty big one, isn't it? To be in faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Well, love is also a big one. And by this will all men know that you are my disciples. This is, the, this is the difference between you and everyone else that's not a believer. This is what Jesus is saying. This is the difference. This is what makes you different. It's by this defining feature, by the love you show to each other, is how we'll know, how people will know that you're a believer. There's another word we call that. We call it fruit. Right? Fruit of the Spirit. Right? Are they... Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness. The long-suffering one we like to skip over, but the rest of them, you know, are great. Joy, yeah, everyone wants to be joyful. Now, all of them are there. All right, John 15, did you find it? Let's look in verse 12. This is my command. He's speaking to the disciples. Love one another as I have loved you. Question, how did Jesus love them? Gave His life, right? Counted them as more valuable than Himself counted you as more valuable than himself. Love them as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if, everyone say if, if you do what I command you. And if you'll look down at verse 17, and this is what I command you, love one another. This is a big deal. You know, how many things did Jesus make this clear? This is what you're supposed to get right. Get this one right. In 1 John it says, this is how you'll know you pass from darkness into light is by your love for, for each other. Let's go back over to 13. Did you know that if you'll do this, if you'll love one another, if you'll walk in love, if you choose to walk in love, that you will be happy. Secret to happiness right here. You, you probably saw the movie, um, City Slickers, where he's talking about this one thing. The secret to whatever. Well, the secret to happiness is, is this right here. To serve each other. 
to serve each other. And I'm going to give you Scripture for it. And we'll show it. So in, in John chapter 13, this is where Jesus, the Master, it washes the disciples' feet. And they are immediately really uncomfortable with this situation. Right? Back in their, their time and in their day, they're wearing sandals, they're walking on dusty streets, they have dirty feet. Usually when you come into someone's house, they would have a servant or someone come and wash your feet for you. That way you're not tracking dirt all over the house. Well, it was considered a lowly job apparently. And Jesus, the Master, their leader, puts on the towel, gets down on his knees in front of them and begins to wash his feet. You remember Peter? He's like, finally, he couldn't take it anymore. He's like, no, when he came to Peter, he's like, not me. No, I'm the one who should be washing your feet. And Jesus said, well, if I don't, then you'll have no part with me. And then he wanted a bath right away, right? It's like, then my hands, my head, all of me, right? And Jesus goes, no, you're clean already. Just allow me to wash your feet. Because he was making an illustration about something. And so we'll begin looking at this in verse 12 of chapter 13. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on His robe, He reclined again and said to them, Do you know what I have done for you? You call Me Teacher and Lord. This is well said, for I am. Right? He, he, he was, he's their leader. He's their Lord. I mean, He's Jesus. Right? Should, should the President come in and wash your feet? No, you'd be like, no, I'm, I should be washing your feet, right? So this is it's, it's Jesus, the Lord, wash their feet. And He goes, do you know what I've done for you? You guys call me teacher and Lord, and this is right, this is correct, I am. Verse 14, so if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do. Not just go, okay, yeah agree to it actually do it do it I'm not talking about washing feet i'm talking about serving each other serving each other doing the unpleasant job for each other should do just as i have done for you i assure you a slave's not greater than his master and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him if you know these things and by no it means experiential no Know by doing. If you know these things, you are blessed. The word means happy. You are happy. If you know and do these things, you are happy, he goes, if you do them. Do you see that? There's the secret to happiness. So if you're dealing with not being fulfilled, not feeling like you amount to anything, not feeling like your life is stacking up to anything, and the devil's made all these lies to you, first things first, tell him to leave you alone. Alright? Use the name of Jesus. Command those condemning spirits to leave you. And the second thing you're going to do is go find somebody to serve. Usually you live with them. Your spouse, your children, your parents, your brother, your sister... Find somebody to serve. And then you can branch out beyond that. Find someone else to serve. This, I'm not preaching this to you tonight or teaching this or talking to you but to get you to work in the children's ministry or with our ushers or in the video department. Okay? I mean, sure, we can use help there. But I, this is about you living your life this way. Not just when you come inside the salt shaker. But actually living it out there. You ever hear that, that 
live your best life now? Or you want to live your happiest life now? Be a servant. And Jesus, is Jesus a liar? Are you sure? So if he said it, it's true. Is that right? He said, if you know these things, he's talking about washing feet, serving each other, you are blessed, happy, if you do them. So you want to be happy? There's how you do it. You serve. That doesn't mean that your flesh has to like it. But if you'll do it from the inside, your flesh will get right over there into agreement with a little bit of time. And your flesh will even go, hmm, that's kind of nice. That that feels kind of nice. You know, the selfish life is the empty life. The selfish life is, is the miserable life. The giving life is the fulfilling life. It's the satisfying life. You know, in John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world that He gave. This is one of the ways we give. We give of our time. We give of our energy. We give of our possessions. We give of ourselves to one another. So how are you walking in love in your home In your family, in your workplace, with your relatives, with your neighbors. Yep, that neighbor. And how are you walking in love there? Come on. There's times you just have to forgive again. Nope, I've already forgiven that and I've released that. I have neighbors I have to forgive again. And occasionally again. Yeah. But what do we do? We walk in love. All right, let's go to uh, 1 John. I know I'm reading verses that are just saying the same thing again and again in different ways. That's the point. 1 John 3. In verse 14 it says, We know that we've passed from death to life because we love our brothers. The one who does not love remains in death. And then if you'll look down. Well, let's just read verse 15. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Now, Jesus, how did he define eternal life? Do you remember? In John 17 and verse 4, Jesus said eternal life is to know the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. That's eternal life. It's not living forever. It's knowing the Father and His Son, Jesus. Now, the interesting thing about this is you get a great side benefit of living forever, right? But that's not what eternal life is. That's a result of eternal life. A result of it. So, eternal life is relationship with the Father. So, verse 15 says, if you hate your brother, you don't have relationship with the Father in you. So, if there's somebody that you're hating, you need to deal with that tonight. Don't wait. Deal with it tonight. And did you know that you can love somebody while you have strong feelings of hate on the inside? You can You can choose to walk and operate and act in love even when your feelings don't want to. Even if they come to the party kicking and screaming, your feelings, not your flesh. Right? But you can still walk in love. We were enemies of Christ is what Scripture says. Enemies of God. And while we were yet enemies, not friends, not children, enemies, of God, He sent His Son, gave His Son. God so loved the world that He gave. An act of love is giving, and you don't have to 
feel loved to do it. All right, verse 16. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down His life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, but shuts off his compassion from him, how can God's love reside in him? Little children, we must not love in word or speech, but in deed and truth. Our love has to be more than just a saying that we say at the end of every service, one way we love God is by loving one another. It has to be more than just something we say. Because words are empty if no actions follow it. So we have to put action to them. And I watch you guys put action to them all the time. For example, the alms basket that's always well filled and ready for people that have need in their life. Taking care of each other. It's a wonderful thing. Yet, can we do it even more? I mean, that's what Paul said. You guys are already walking in love, but do so even more. And so that's where we're wanting to go. I'm not preaching this to you because I think you haven't walked in love. I've, I've witnessed all kinds of love all over the place. Well done. Let's do it even more. Let's go to Romans. Romans chapter 12. The Lord says there's something there we need to see again. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down His life for us. We should also lay down our lives for our brothers. Now why would we do that? Why would somebody lay down their life for a brother? Why would they put their wants, needs, and desires after the needs, wants, and desires of their brother? Because of love. Not because of a feeling of love. Because of a choice to love. A choice to love. Counting our lives as more important than everyone else's is there's another word for that. It's called selfish. Selfish. We don't want to be selfish. You know, you know why the uh, crab wouldn't share with anyone? See, he was just a shellfish. He's too shellfish. Some of you needed to laugh. You're getting too serious in here. Romans 12. Okay, we're ready now. I know, it was bad, but that's what makes it funny. For me. I'll laugh later tonight. Wow, I really said that? Romans 12 and verse 9. Love must be without hypocrisy. So is it possible to love hypocritically? Well, what would that be? Because see, sometimes we read this and we think, oh, that means when... You're loving, but it's not actually that you're not feeling loving. No, no, no. That's not what it's meaning at all. It's meaning when you have other motives. I'm going to do this as though I'm loving them because I want this over here. That's with hypocrisy. It's not sincere, genuine love of the Lord. You know, the Lord gave to you whether you ever decide to receive it or not. He already gave it. You can squander it and, and spurn it and reject the gift that He gave you. It doesn't, he's not waiting to give it to you until you decide, I want it. He already released it and gave it. It's there and available. All you have to do is take it to receive it. So that is what love without agenda is. Not trying to get you to do something. He already gave it and released it. Now it's your choice. 
Love without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. I like this next line. Outdo one another in showing honor. Excel. Some translations say excel in showing honor. Outdo each other in showing honor to each other. Do not lack diligence. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Share with the saints in their needs. And pursue hospitality. Pursue it. Not wait until you're forced to do it. But actually go after it and create the opportunity. Pursue it. Opportunity for hospitality. Outdo one another in showing love. Is this a little bit different than me, my rights, don't tread on me, that whole mentality? A little bit. Is there a time and place to fight? Yes, absolutely, there's a time and place to fight. You know, Ecclesiastes says there's a time for love, there's a time for war, there's a time for love, there's a time for hate. Hate sin. Not people, but sin. Right? Love people. Philippians, let's go to Philippians. Flip over to Philippians chapter 2. Some of us take longer than others. I'm not going to look at you, Alex, because I don't want you to be embarrassed or anything. <laughs> Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any, or even a little, consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. Do nothing out of rival. By the way, do you, you know, right, that you can change your feelings by what you think about. You can become blue and depressed by just thinking about everything that's wrong for a while. Or you can feel much better if you start thinking about all the things you're grateful for and what God has done for you. You are not a servant to your feelings. Verse 3, do nothing, nothing, everyone say nothing, out of rivalry or conceit. But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. You know, when you go out and it's snowing and you're scraping the, the, the stuff off the windshield in the parking lot, go ahead and do the neighbor's car too. Get it ready for them, right? Or in our parking lot out here. I don't know if it's snowing out there. It better not be. But. Verse 5. Make your own attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used for His own advantage. Well, why should I be doing this? I mean, after all, I'm the Lord. Can't you send Gabriel or someone? I mean, come on. How come Gabriel can't? I mean, I'm your son. Heaven belongs to me. It's mine. I mean, all those streets of gold, they're mine. I built them. Why do I have to come down here and do this? But he didn't consider that as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he completely emptied himself. Verse 7, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. A lot of limitations that come with just regular old man, isn't it? A lot of limitations. 
And when he had come as a man in external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross, like the lowliest of deaths. Like he never did anything that deserved death, and yet he got it. And so he was our substitute. We're not going to go be crucified to save anyone. He's already done that. He's not our example there. He's our substitute. He is our example in laying down His life for those around Him. Being willing to get the raw end of the deal for the benefit of the one beside you. Yeah, but what about my rights? Look, as Americans, we have rights of government. And those are rights that we need to hold as sacred. Those are rights that we need to fight for. Those are rights that we need to make certain remain. But when you're talking about personal rights, everything changes in Scripture. When you're talking about me personally, well, how dare you do that to me? You know, fight for your neighbor. Be real slow to fight for yourself in that way. Be quick to turn the other cheek. Now, I'm not talking about an assault on your life. I'm talking about insult. Be quick to turn the other cheek when someone insults you. If they're making an attempt on your life, uh, come talk to me and I can help get you training to deal with that too. Hallelujah. We're having fun tonight, aren't we? Jesus said, this is a choice that you're going to make every day. Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Well, all of us have been given the same opportunity of serving someone. You can serve somehow, some way. Sweep the floor. You know, I, watching people down in, in stairs after fellowship, people are serving each other and cleaning up after each other. You know, people are right now taking care of our children, teaching them the Word. They're serving you. They're serving the Lord by serving you. One way we love God is by loving one another. Now we're going to start getting a little more a little more shoe leather, alright? Let's go to Ephesians. Let's up the ante. Ephesians chapter 6. In verse 5, he's talking to slaves and he's telling them to obey their masters with fear and trembling and the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. So he's telling slaves, you should just act like they're Christ. Hmm, wow. Talk about personal rights. Well, verse 6 he says, don't work, he's still speaking to slaves, don't work only while being watched in order to please men, but as slaves of Christ, do God's will from your heart or from within. Render service with a good attitude as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good each one does, slave or free, so that's slaves or us, he will receive this back from the Lord. So, if we're going to the extreme of speaking to someone who's a slave, how much more you and I who are free in a supposed to be free nation, right? Becoming more free every day. I'm going to put my words to work for me. So, you and I aren't slaves, but if a slave is supposed to do it as though it's to the Lord, and do it even though he's forced to do it, but he, he's saying choose to do it like it's to the Lord. And there's reward in that for you. Remember I said happiness for those that are serving? Even a slave could be happy by doing it as unto the Lord. This is not condoning slavery. This is telling slaves how to act. If you look down in verse uh, 
Let's go to Colossians. Another example where he's speaking to slaves. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. First he speaks to children in verse 20. Then the fathers. And then in verse 22, slaves. He says, slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched in order to please men, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Uh, in Corinthians, Paul was speaking about slaves, and he said, if you have opportunity to get free, take it. Be free, all right? And wasn't telling anyone they should be a slave. Don't work only while being watched in order to please men, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Verse 23, whatever you do, whether it be sweeping the floor, doing the dishes, making the bed, washing someone's car, cleaning up after your coworker, just because. You know, whatever you do, do it enthusiastically. I like that. The word means like from the soul, like from within. As something done for the Lord and not for men knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ as unto the Lord. So when you're serving in, in children's ministry or as an usher or in the safety team or any one of these places, it, it, there's a cost associated with it. You know, They're not sitting in here tonight, those that are outside of this, this room, they're not sitting here listening and being strengthened by the Word. They are off serving you so that you can sit here uninterrupted and listen and be strengthened by the Word. So they serve you in this way so that you might benefit. Now, we have asked our service teams that if they have a job that is outside of this room where they cannot hear what's going on, then they should not serve. I do not want them to serve more than once a month. Because I want them to be able to sit here and be fed. We have enough people to give relief to each other, to prefer one another, so that we can do that. Now, if your job is of such that you're sitting in here and able to hear, for example, you know, for years Robin was the only one doing recording, and, but he's sitting here listening to it. He's not like some of the safety team that's out of the room and, and can't hear what's going on, or the children's ministry team. So for those... That's just our policy in this house that we want people, everyone to have opportunity to serve, everyone to have opportunity to sit and be strengthened. As far as slavery goes, let me read another verse to you. Galatians 5, 13 and 14. For you were called to be free. Say, yeah, that's me. You were called to be free. Brothers, only don't use this freedom, this liberty, as an opportunity for the flesh. Look, we were called to freedom. And in this nation, we know that more than anywhere else. Right? Yes. I mean, this is liberty. It's been our thing for a couple hundred years. <laughs> Some of us, anyway. Liberty. It says, you were called to be free, brothers. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But, on the flip side, he's saying, rather, serve one another through love. That's how liberty is supposed to be expressed. Serving each other through love. Now, on the government side of it, one of the ways that you can serve in love is by stepping out, doing the hard thing, running for an office, whatever it takes on the government side, lays down your life 
for those around you so that they might continue experiencing liberty. Serving one another. Verse 14, he says, For the entire law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor, your nearby, as yourself. Love them as yourself. When you're tired, what do you do? You sit down. You give yourself a break. If you're hungry, what do you do? You eat. If you feel like watching a movie, what do you do? You sit down and watch something or read a book. or You treat yourself. And if you don't know how to treat yourself, well then, maybe you need to begin loving yourself too. But going and I'm just saying, love your neighbor as yourself. Putting their comfort, their benefit, their good ahead of your own. Let's go to Hebrews. So all that about liberty and freedom, I said we're going to read that on the heels of the slavery verses because I want you to understand we're called to freedom, not slavery. And to serve in love. Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to go to two more openings and maybe three. Um, And then we will uh, sing and dance and shout. Hebrews 6, verse 9. Even though we are speaking this way, dear friends, in your case, we are confident of the better things connected with salvation. Did you know there are better things connected with salvation? What are those better things? Healing, victory, prosperity. Yeah, that's all scriptural. Better things connected with salvation. Verse 10, listen to this. For God is not unjust. Did you know love requires justice? Love requires justice. Love is not what many have made it out to be. Where it's just this whole tolerance and we put up with everything. and This is not love. That's something different entirely. But love is willing to take hard stands. Love is willing to confront. Love is willing to lose friendships for the sake of truth. I mean, people were offended at Jesus' words all the time. Well, if you'd just be loving Jesus, you wouldn't talk that way to Him. You knew they were going to be offended about this Jesus. How come you went and said that to them? I mean, love wouldn't do that. Wait a minute. Maybe the love you're talking about isn't love at all and it's something else that the enemy has puffed into the image of love so that to weaken us. But love is strong. You can't be a Christian and be a weakling. You say, what do I mean? Well, it's in our ultimate weakness that Christ is made glorious in us, okay? So there's that side of it, and I acknowledge that. But I'm saying to be a Christian and to stand and operate in love, you have to be a person of strength. And God will strengthen you for that. You're not on your own strength for this. And so, love, as Jesus did, is willing to say hard things. Love is willing to even resort to physical violence if needed. Say, really? Absolutely. I mean, Jesus picked up a whip and it says He drove man and beast out of the temple. It doesn't say He suggested it. And I don't know you know, exactly who got licked and who didn't by the whip. But apparently enough happened that they were like, oh, He's serious. Let's leave. Because otherwise you wouldn't leave, right? Oh, He's not going to do anything. That's Jesus. You just stay there. 
But they left. They're like, oh, he's serious. Too long we have built Jesus into this someone holding a little lamb that's only gentle and soft-spoken. But we know that there's a lot more there than that. There is a side of love that will put yourself out and give yourself over to death for the sake of someone else. And there's also a side of love that will stand up and fight tooth and nail for the benefit of someone else. All right, Hebrews 6, verse 9, we were reading. Let's uh, look at verse 10. Oh, I, I started saying something that love, God is not unjust. God is love, and love requires justice. i give you an example if you say, well, well, how does that work? If you have two children in your home, and one is much bigger than the other one, you know, one's five and the other one's two, and the five-year-old is clobbering the two-year-old with one of the dinner plates. Bam, 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 bam. Love requires you to step in and intervene to stop it, but also to administer justice and teaching to the one that was doing it. That's what love requires of you. And God is not unjust. People go, well, how can God, you know, send, how can a loving God send people to hell? Well, first of all, He's not sending them there. They're choosing that. Okay? Secondly, He has to have consequences because He is love. Consequences must be in place, otherwise there would be no justice. How is it right that someone walked and served and lived holy and Elijah lived his life and then you've got someone else, Judas Iscariot over here. How is it justice that, that they both just are all glorious and happy together in heaven? That's not just, That's not love. So in order for there to be love, there has to be justice. God is not unjust. And that's, that's a very deep, in-depth discussion. It was actually one of the things that Ravi Zacharias explained very, very well. I will always use his explanations on this, even though um, you know, there's disappointments that we now see. Alright, let's keep reading here. Was I? Verse 10, right? For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. We're talking about serving each other. And labor of love you showed for His name when you served the saints. Not when you served God, when you served the saints. And, he says, you continue to serve them. Now we want each of you to demonstrate the same diligence for the final realization of your hope so that you won't become lazy, but imitators of those who inherit the promises through faith and perseverance. There is a certain tenacity you need to be a man, a woman of faith. A tenacity to not give up. A strength to stand. A strength to fight. All of that's rooted and grounded in love. The rock. And as you serve each other, that is your service to the Lord. We'll just read verse 10 again. For God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and labor of love you showed for His name when you served the saints and you continue to serve them. You show one way we love God is by loving one another. By serving one another. It's why Apostle Dale put that, he likes sayings and slogans, but it's why he put that together. To, because it's Scripture. It's scriptural. You know, it's not a verse it's quoting, but it's quoting many verses. Alright, let's go to 1 Peter 4. Worship team, you can begin trickling up. 
Or come all at once, that's fine too. <laughs> First Peter 4. Okay, just because you're moving up, I want you to still listen, team. First Peter 4 and verse 7. Now the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-headed and disciplined for prayer. Now, if Peter thought they were near the end, then we're certainly closer than they were. So if he qualified for the end of all things, we qualify for the last second, I guess. Verse 8, above all, so above all of this, above being clear-headed, above being disciplined for prayer, above being watchful at these end times, above all, keep your love for one another at full strength. God is love. And to the degree that you walk in love is how spiritual you are or, or, not, or are not. Come on, I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody else. To the degree that I walk in love is the degree to how godly I am. Above all, keep your love for one another at full strength since love covers a multitude of sins. You know, love can overlook things grievances against you and they know I hate when they do that but what does love do it can cover those be hospitable to one another without complaining based on the gift they have received everyone should use it to serve others not serve themselves to serve others as good managers of the very grace of God if anyone speaks, his speech should be like the oracles of God. If anyone serves, his service should be from the strength God provides. So that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. If anyone serves, his service should be from the strength that God provides. That's an important verse for us. The strength God provides. As you step out to love and to serve, God's going to put supernatural strength in you to be able to do it and accomplish it. God will absolutely come and help you. It's called grace in that moment to nail it with excellence. Now I'm going to close with, I said there might be a third scripture. You don't need to turn there. I'll just read it to you. In the book of Daniel... At the end of the book, all the revelations Daniel had about end times and about the beast and all these different things that are happening. And he's talking, he's right in the middle of talking about when um, the Antichrist is in the temple and desecrates the Holy of Holies and, and says everyone needs to worship him. You've read about it in Revelations, I'm sure. Well, in Daniel, he talks about it as well. And in the middle of all of that, he says this. The people who... This is in verse 32 of chapter 11 if you're taking notes. The people who know their God will be strong and take action. Now why would I tie that in with love? The people who know their God. To know means to experience something. Remember what eternal life is? It's that relationship. And what is one of the marks of someone who has relationship with the Father? They walk in love. They're known by their love. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. 
they that know their God. And we can tell if you know or not. This is what the Word says. Based on your love. They that know their God will be strong. Didn't I say that you had to be strong to be a believer? Will be strong and take action. Love is an action. Okay? You will take action. Love is a being. Love, God is love. Yet love requires action from you and I. So this is a call to action for you. A call to love and to serve. A call to become the most servant-hearted person that you know. I mean, make it a competition. Like, for example, in the Freedy family, there's a whole bunch of them. So they can have a major competition, right? Of serving each other. Because there's a whole bunch of them to out, to outdo each other. So man, it's a competition now. A, a fun one, right? Not going to fight about it. Yeah, but I serve, but no. If you've had small children, you know about that. So we're going to be strong. We're going to know the Lord. And out of that comes strength to take action, to walk, to operate, to be love. And if you blow it, man, you just go back, you repent, you tell them, the next time I have an opportunity, I'm going to choose, because it's always a choice, stop reacting, start choosing. That's for me, that's for you. Stop reacting, start choosing on how you show up. Nobody has to just react. All right. Let's pray. Father, I thank You that You are by Your Spirit taking all that You've taught us tonight, the Word that we read, and You're awakening it within us that You seal it in our heart and spirit. Bring to our remembrance at the right moment that we might act and choose to walk and step and be in love every day in all ways. Lord, I ask that You really stir this in us to a greater degree than we've experienced before because we want it to be known that we're Your disciples, that we belong to You, that we represent You, Father. That's what we want. And I thank You for Your grace in helping us to accomplish it and to walk it out in Jesus' name and Amen. All right, you may... Oh, I read someone's mind. I don't... So, Karen Hostetter had presented um, a question on our question card. You can pick them up in the back of the table. It says, Biblical answers to your everyday life questions. Now, here's, your, here's the question. Great question. I, wanted, I was really excited when I saw it. Matthew 5.44, Jesus said, Love your enemies, bless those who curse you. Of course, God is love, and He and Jesus love everyone. How should we view Jesus' strong chiding to the scribes and Pharisees when He called them hypocrites, blind guides, fools, serpents, brood of vipers? Weren't they His enemies? How does this relate to tyrannical enemies? Excellent question. So the question is, is, how does love your enemies? How is saying you brood of vipers, you snakes, you hypocrites, you fools, how is that love? And since Jesus is love, and yet if I said that to one of you all, you would probably go, that's not love. 
So, so is it just because he was Jesus? Because, you know, well, he's Jesus. You're not. Yeah, but you're supposed to be like him. So how does this relate? How does it work? How does love your enemies, bless those who curse you, fit with Jesus' answer to the, the scribes and Pharisees? And how does this relate to tyrannical enemies? So that's your homework. Next, next Saturday night, we're going to discuss that question. And um, so study into it. Look it up. Come with what you believe may be an answer or part of the equation. Maybe something we're missing. And together, we're going to come away stronger in love and knowledge. You can stand with me. Let's worship. Yeah, I invite you all to stand, even the older people. <laughs> Hallelujah. I ain't looking at anybody, but <laughs> I'm so glad I can count on God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, we give you our worship, our adoration. We give you our lives. It is our reasonable service, and Father, we're glad to do it. We're so glad that you made it available to us, that you gave us the option. And we serve you with gladness. Father, I ask you that this week you would stir in us an awareness of your presence, an awareness of how your love looks and behaves, Father, work inside of us this week in ways that go beyond where we've been before. We really want to go further with You. We really desire to take back our land for You. Lord, we want to see Your revival in the land. We want to see Your revival here in our church. That each one of us would be revived to You in a fresh way. And so I ask you for it, Lord, and I thank you that you would do that for us. In the name of Jesus, and everyone says amen. Well, one way that we love God in this house is how? Amen. So do that. Now remember, it's more than just words. Hallelujah. And you may go have, you may love on each other. Good evening. Welcome to Church of the Word International here at Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So glad that you're all here tonight. Wow. We are the most blessed people on the face of the earth. Do you believe it? I do. I so believe it. We're so blessed. 
I'd like to encourage you tonight in the Word of God for our worship. From Psalms 107, I just love this. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom shall redeemed from the hand of the enemy? We've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Glory to God. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness for his wonderful works to the children of men and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. And if that wasn't enough, verse 31 says, oh, that men would praise the Lord. Do you think he's trying to tell us something? Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders. Well, my goodness, let's do that. Let's just stand up together and let's just praise the goodness, the greatness, the faithfulness of our God. Amen. deliverer, our soon coming king, king of kings, lord of lords, our healer. Jesus, you are everything, everything we need, everything we desire in our heart. You are Lord, Lord of our life. We celebrate you. We exalt you. We honor your manifest presence among us tonight. Have your way. Walk among us. Touch our hearts open our eyes heal our broken hearts heal our bodies we say yes to you tonight jesus come come among us tonight we want you we desire you we love you come lord jesus oh how much we adore you we're so thankful just tell him how much you love him tonight tell jesus how thankful you are for who he is for what he did for you He's so precious. He's so magnificent. He's so honorable. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you. We love you so much here. We celebrate your presence among us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. How precious you are. Well, one way we love God is by loving one another but before you dismiss tonight the children and the children workers which we bless and are so grateful for all that they do they are rearing up the next generation in a godly way with the word of god make sure you thank them tonight when you see them but it's really important that you hear this 
it is super important that you listen to the CD that you'll be given after the service. All the children's workers, all those who are not in the service tonight, make sure you get a CD and make sure you listen to it. Super important. Can everybody say, I heard that? All right, well, you can be released. Those who are just so blessed to be bringing up that next generation in the Word of God. Hallelujah. The more I love you, the more I find Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to be with you tonight again. We're going to return the tithe to the Lord. Turn to Mark chapter 8. How many of you believe that God wants you provided for? It's not his will that you be in lack. He doesn't want you to lack in any area. So if you're facing lack in an area tonight, especially financial lack, um, let's look at this story. I think Jesus uh, is a good example to follow, and he gives us some things here that if we will do, we will see increase in our lives. All right, uh, Mark chapter 8 says, In those days when, when again a great crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Did you notice that? He had compassion on them. He didn't want them to be hungry. He didn't want them to suffer lack. That's his will for you too. He says in verse 3, And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way, and some of them have come from a far way. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? So they must have been like far away from town, um, nothing really around, no McDonald's or nothing. And he asked them, how many loaves do you have? They said, seven. See what he did here? He recognized, he says, what do you have? What, what do you have? Examine that. So they said seven, and he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them... He said that these also should be set before them. I want you to see a couple things here. One is recognize what you have. Two is, did you notice he said he gave thanks in verse 6, was it? He says he gave thanks, and then verse 6 or 7, he says, and then bless them. So be thankful for what you have. Recognize what you have. You know, don't be too, so busy complaining about what you don't have that you overlook what you do have. So, and then let's keep on reading here. So they ate, and they were satisfied. And guess what? They took up the broken pieces that were left over seven baskets full. That's the heart of our Father. Not just meet, you know, the need and barely, you know, overflowing abundance. 
So I want you to remember these three things. So number one, if you're facing financial problem, pressure, actually you could apply this to any area of your life. You know, relationships, um, maybe it's in an area of growth in your life spiritually. Number one, look for what you do have. What do you have? Number two, be thankful and bless what you have. So don't read those two words. It says in one, in one verse he said he gave thanks. The other one he says he blessed them. You know, the, the thanks one, that's being grateful for it. Recognize it, being thankful, having an, an attitude of gratefulness. The next one says bless what you have. And I looked that up. It said to speak well of, to praise, to cause to prosper, to make happy, bestow blessings. Like talking well of it. Amen. So let's say you need a vehicle. Let's say the vehicle you have has got problems. You know, don't kick the thing and be like, this hunk of junk costing me all the time. What a gas pig, blah, blah, blah. Hey, recognize you got a way to get from point A to point B. Thank the Lord for it. And then say, I tell you to work well all the days that, you, that I need you. Don't be telling it it's a hunk of junk or it will be. So number three is look to God to provide. All right? So he thanked, he blessed, and then what did he do? Father, we're looking to you. You're the provider. You're the prosperer. You're the one that's going to make this thing happen. I can't see it in the natural. Two loaves of fish or five or whatever it was, a handful of something isn't going to feed 5,000 in the natural. But he looked to the Father. All right? It'll work for you. Let's take a hold of our tithes and let's pray over it. Father, we're so grateful to you that you think good thoughts towards us, that you love us, that you don't want us to lack in any area, in any good way, any good thing. So I just thank you, and I just thank you for our means of income, the jobs, the sources, the resources you've given us. We thank you for it. And so we just want to honor you, and I just call these people blessed. I ask you to bless the tithes. Lord, I ask you to increase these people in every good way. In Jesus' name, and amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. I want to go over a number of things. I, uh, we have a long way to go tonight, and um, enough time to get there. In the name of Jesus, that's how it's going to be. And um, so I'm going to jump right in, and we're going to cover some uh, business things as well as get in and talk about some things that uh, have eternal consequences. Also, I'll mention that we have, um, I ordered, uh, I think like another 15, so now there's probably 20 of them down there in the bookstore, of the Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrate book. And these books are special because instead of doing like I did previously, ordering through Amazon, I ordered directly from the website, directly from the, uh, the creator of the book. And so uh, they were really happy about that. They sent us um, some gifts to go with the book. So in each, there's like 15 of them down in the bookstore. In the first 15 books is a CD of a teaching that he taught to the Montana legislator in 2015. And um, on the doctrine of lesser magistrates, so that that particular those first fifteen books would be great books to to buy and to give out as gifts to people that need to hear the message. 
All right, so they're down in the bookstore and you can find them there. I also put some of their material on the table in the back that you can find it there. <clears throat> All right, two more things of business and then we'll get into some teachings. For those of you that are still on Facebook and haven't been canceled, um, there is a group on Facebook that's called Free PA. Many of you have probably heard it. Um, I've invited many of you to join the group. And so it's a private group, so you'll need to request to, to join it if you're on Facebook. And um, I believe it's a very, very important and timely group for the season that we're in right now because they are simply local citizens that are working together to support and uphold the Constitution of the United States. And you know, you and I can bring, we might not be able to bring a great amount of change to the federal level or to Washington, D.C. individually, but individually we can bring change and be salt right where we're at in our community. And so we have a responsibility, I believe with all my heart, that we as believers have a responsibility on us to step into this gap that has been created in the political side of our nation in government. Let's just put it that way. And so we must step into the gap. You know, we, we believe strongly in this house that we should vote. And yet the days where we just pray and vote and aren't involved in other ways are over. We have got to do more than vote. We have got to step up and run for office. As a church, we have enough people right here to absolutely fill all kinds of places within Lancaster County. And so what Free PA does is they are working at gathering like-minded people that want to uh, either run for office or support those who are running for office. And there are all kinds of positions available across this county. You know, there are um, township uh, there are township councils that, that need, have positions that are opening up. There are borough councils that are opening up. There is judge of elections. Right? We need some of that going on, don't we? Uh, those positions opening up. There's even uh, tax collector positions opening up. And I laugh because, you know, Jesus said sinners and tax collectors. <laughs> but, you know, that's not how it's supposed to be. See, they were hated back then because they were cheating the system. They were adding more on and they were liars and all these things. But if a person of righteousness would be a tax collector, then suddenly we wouldn't have to be afraid of it, right? So we need to take back the land. We need to... to salt doesn't do any good in the shaker. Alright? And right now, in these four walls, you're in the shaker. But when you go outside, it's time to make things salty. And so we need to, uh, to jump right into this group. And, and here's a few of the things that they are looking to do, Free PA. So, uh, the mission of Free PA is to provide a forum to educate fellow citizens regarding our Constitution and history, to organize physical meetings for like-minded patriots to gather, communicate, and strategize, to secure our elections, to locate vet and support constitutionally conservative candidates for state and local elected offices. Assist parents in gaining back control of their children's education. It's a big one. You know, there's many, many school board positions that are open. What kind of change could we bring if just a whole bunch of us jumped on a school board? What kind of change could we bring, right? We need to step up. 
I'm committed. I'm willing to run for one of these offices. I'm asking you. You do it too. Let's, you know, it's no need that we all run for the same position, but let's help each other. Let, let's grab this thing by the horns and, and take a hold of it. And then, of course, their uh, sixth thing here, their mission is to support businesses that defy tyranny, including unconstitutional mandates. So uh, the next meeting is going to be on the 25th of this month, and um, it's going to be at Loxley's. Doors open at 6.30 p.m. Uh, at 7 p.m. is when the meeting starts, so I would encourage you to go out and to join that. I personally am not going to uh, be there because I'm going to be in Missouri, but uh, I certainly hope that you will represent Church of the Word International well, and, and someone, a number of you show up. Um, another thing that they're doing is they have Zoom calls that are educating people to, uh, on how they can be involved and how they can prepare for, because the primaries are, are going to be coming up and we need to get the people in motion now so that when that time comes, um, our, our ducks are in order, in a row, whatever you do with ducks, I don't know. That's right. All right. A heartbreaking subject, yet it is something that is um, very, very, carries major significance. Many of you may have heard, and if you haven't heard, I'm sorry to be the bearer of horrible news, of the, all the accusations and reports that came out about Ravi Zacharias. And if you've been paying attention to the news, you know it's really, really ugly um, about what He's been accused of, as well as the investigation that took place, what they discovered. And uh, he was leading a double life for a very long time in a horrible way. And so, while that is heartbreaking to us, because we also recognize the great value that he brought to the church in his teachings and, and the anointing that he operated in, in in teaching. You know, the Word says that the gifts, that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And in order for a minister to be able to operate under the anointing, the requirement isn't that they live holy. It's an anointing that's on their life. And unfortunately, in times like this, we, people will sometimes look at an anointing on someone's life and consider that as to how much of integrity they, they are in or how trustworthy they are. But we need to not do that across the board in the church. Not in this house, not in, not in any realm. And we want to recognize that, you know, ministers are... The problem with ministers is they're just like you and I. They have the same flesh. They have all the same things to deal with, just like you and I do. I have, I have a pastor uh, brother sitting over here. Am I saying the truth? Isn't this the problem? And so, we are going to, um, I encourage you, listen, in this house, we hold each other accountable. You hold me accountable, right? One of the problems was that with Ravi is that people just trusted him and they didn't push on issues where things seemed a little sketchy maybe. And so, we don't ever want to get into that position. And one of the things that this really drove uh, into my spirit, the Lord did, is Let's finish well. Man, let's, let's 
go the whole distance. And the Word says, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And if you know who Ravi is, or if you've listened to him a lot, maybe he's made a big impact in your life, and then you hear things like this, it's shaking. And it can shake you. But this is a very, very good reminder for you and I to not put our trust in men, but to put it in God. Alright? It doesn't change the good things that He said and did, but yet it, it leaves a horrible wound also and vacuum. And so, several things. We want to pray for His family and for his, the ministry that He left behind. Um, I cannot imagine what they're going through. And uh, the ministry, you can look it up on their, on their website, um, RZIM, they put out a statement and just repenting on his behalf. And, um, and, you know, they hate it. They're heartbroken by it. And so let's pray for them. These kind of things damage the body of Christ. However, your neighbors and your friends and your family, they may not have known Ravi, Ravi personally, but they know you personally. And you are the best light and witness to them. More so than Ravi or some, some minister that they don't know from a distance, right? But you are the salt and the light. So let's you and I just commit that, you know, we're going to go the whole way on this. We're, we're not going to fall short. We're going to stay faithful to the Lord. You know, if you're struggling with something, if, if you're falling into sin in an area, and get help. In this house, we don't shoot our wounded. We help you. And so if you're struggling with something and trying to overcome something, maybe you're, you feel bad about it. Maybe you are embarrassed by it. Don't, don't just hold it. Get help. We'll help you. There's a whole bunch of people I see sitting here that will be more than happy to, to walk through it with you and to help you to victory. Amen. In Philippians 3, I want to read a couple verses here. In, in verse 12, Philippians 3.12 says, not that I have already reached the goal, Paul is saying this, or am already fully mature. So Paul didn't consider himself fully mature, so you and I should probably just back off on our view of our own maturity, right? <laughs> but I make every effort to take hold of it, because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, all who are mature should think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you also. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Isn't that the truth? We're going to be judged by the Word for the truth that we already know. Right? You're going to be judged for what you know. Verse 17, join in imitating me, brothers. So it's good and it's right that we imitate those that have gone before us, our leaders, our examples. You know, pastors and ministers, they're supposed to be examples and leaders. And the Bible says to him, Paul said, imitate me as I follow Christ. And so this is right and good, but don't put them on a pedestal that if they would fall, fail in some way, or hurt you in some way, that you are shipwrecked because of it. Alright, let's keep reading here. Verse 18, For I have often... To, um, 
No, verse 17. Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Or we could say their feelings. Their comfort zone. Their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject, subject everything to Himself. So then, in this way, my dearly loved brothers, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Stand firm in the Lord. You know, I said everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Well, the Word says that. I'm just repeating it. You know, there is a place that is unshakable. It's on the rock. The unshakable rock. The kingdom of God shall not be shaken. Everything else is going to shake. So let's make sure, let this these things happen. Recently, there's been other, um, you know, Famous pastors, the one from Hillsong in, in, in New York that fell and was in sin and leading a double life. Let's allow these situations to drive us closer to the Lord instead of allowing it to put separation between us. I understand that the ungodly would do that, but let's you and I not do that. Let's say, you know what, I allow this to motivate me that, you know, to get closer to you, Father. I don't ever want that to be me, right? And so, um, yeah, amen. Be fastened to the rock, and you will not be shaken.